Time is running out on your chance to enter the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Squares sweepstakes. The largest official game of Super Bowl Squares ever is back with millions of dollars in prizes on the table. And best of all, it's free to enter. Here's the play-by-play. Every time the score changes during Super Bowl 56, somebody's going to win $50,000. That means touchdowns, field goals, extra points, safeties, even a two-point conversion is a winner. 50 Gs. Plus, two grand prize winners will win a half million dollars they could use toward their dream home. Don't miss your chance to win. Get in the game today. See rules and enter for free right now at RocketMortgageSquares.com. Rocket Mortgage, official mortgage sponsor of Super Bowl 56. No purchase necessary. Legal residents of the 50 U.S. and D.C. of age majority ends 11-11-22. Equal housing lender licensed all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. The NFL entity has not offered or sponsored this promotion in any way. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Tina Smith. Tina's filling in today for our regular co-host, Carol Zerniel, who is on special assignment. And as always, we are delighted to have Tina on board. She runs the uh, Caregiver SOS programs for the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And she and Carol have worked together for years, going all the way back to the Area Agency on Aging here in San Antonio, where they worked. Area Agency on Aging are in every county in the country. So, when I say AAA, I don't mean American Automobile Association. I mean the Area Agency on Aging, and they are a very important organization. And Tina Smith, uh, when we talk about, as we will in just a couple of moments with Amy Goyer, about dementia and a caregiver responsible for someone with dementia, it's incredibly challenging. It really is. It really is. Uh, caring for somebody with dementia just takes the caregiving uh, experience to a whole new level uh, because you're just on most of the time, 24-7. So it's and it changes from day to day. Yeah. And so what do you hear at the Wellman Charitable Foundation from caregivers who are caring for someone with dementia? What do they say to you? They're telling us that, um, you know, they're they're exhausted. Uh, they are stressed out. Oftentimes they don't know where to turn and they, they feel like they're the only ones often experiencing something like this. They feel very alone, um, which can add a whole other uh, list of issues for that caregiver. Well, we're going to take a moment and introduce our special guest today. Uh, we're talking about caregiving and dementia, six ways to prevent someone from, with dementia from wandering or getting lost. I printed it out from AARP. And it's a really interesting article with great tips. Amy Goyer is an author of Juggling Life, Work, and Caregiving, a nationally known writer, speaker, and consultant specializing in caregiving and family issues. Amy serves as AARP's national family and caregiving expert, as a columnist as well, and a spokesperson, and moderates AARP's Facebook Family Caregivers Discussion. And as always, we are delighted, Amy Goyer, to welcome you back to Caregiver SOS On Air. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be back with you. What got you interested in caregiving? 
Well, I started my career out as a music therapist and I was working in adult daycare centers and nursing homes. And then I went on to work for the Ohio Department of Aging and later for AARP. So my whole career has been in the field of aging and um, all throughout it, I've worked with family caregivers in different ways, whether in direct service or um, in programs to help and support family caregivers in various different roles. Uh, I also have been a family caregiver my entire adult life starting actually when I was in college. Uh, my parents moved across the country from Ohio to Arizona and my grandparents were in Indiana. My grandmother, my dad's mother had Alzheimer's and um, my dad was an only child. So I took on uh, a caregiving support role for them at a very young age. And then my mom had a stroke when she was just 63. So um, we had family caregiving responsibilities for many years. And then later my dad developed Alzheimer's. So wow. I, um, I had a very intensive role in caregiving for my parents, as well as my sister who had Cushing's disease. So mm. it's just, um, my work is my, the perfect fusion of my personal experience and my professional experience. Where did you grow up in Ohio? Athens, Ohio. Do you know, have you ever heard of Ohio University? I do, I grew up in Cleveland, just a little ways north of Athens. Yeah, well, Athens is where I grew up. My dad was a professor at OU. And um, in fact, if you're, following football, the great Joe Burrow, the new quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, is from my alma mater, Athens, Ohio. Go Athens, it, Ohio. It's hard to imagine uh, that he could have grown up in Athens, Ohio, and become as incredible a player as he is. He went to Ohio State, the Ohio State University, then transferred uh, to LSU. Right, and, right. Uh, and his dad was uh, a coach at Ohio University, a football coach. So he uh, grew up in a football family. Wow. And, just he's just and my my nephew went to school with him and he's just a really good guy you know so that's that's who comes out of Athens Ohio just really good people like you and Joe Burroughs there you go <laughs> I like that now as you take a look at the challenges of caregiving uh I, I mentioned before and by the way if you've just joined us uh, you're listening to caregiver SOS on air our special guest today is Amy Goyer we're talking about caregiving and the challenges of caring for someone with dementia Tina Smith is here filling in for Carol Zerniel, and I'm Ron Aaron. I had mentioned uh, several times over the years that my mom cared for my dad who had dementia. Uh, and I, I remember going uh, to my son Mitch's graduation uh, from the U.S. Naval Academy in, in uh, Maryland. And uh, my mom brought my dad with her to that event, although he really didn't know what was going on. Uh, they checked into the hotel and within minutes, Amy, uh, he was gone. He wandered off. And the hotel desk uh, called my mom's room and said, I think we have your husband. And sure enough, they had found him wandering around the hotel. Uh, and it was just a matter of she's always was always very careful, but had turned her back while she was emptying the suitcases and putting clothing away. And he just walked out the door. Yeah. Happens all the time. Yeah, it does. In fact, you know, I was staying in a hotel once and I there was a gentleman in the lobby who was walking around in his pajamas. Clearly he was lost. And I knew immediately what the situation probably was. The front desk really didn't have any idea how to deal with it. So I helped and they were luckily eventually able to figure out what room he had been in. And his, his son was there and his son came out and I talked with him for a long time because I said, you know, there are things you can do. And I talked to him about getting a, a traveling with a floor mat alarm that he could 
that the minute his dad stepped on it, it would sound an alarm and wake him up and you know some other options that might have, have prevented that. Thankfully, that gentleman was okay. And thankfully, it sounds like your dad was. Yes, and, and both my dad and that gentleman should have had a wristband on with their name. Yeah, yeah. I had, for my dad, um, I had what, uh, it, it was a kind of a, a road ID that my um, boyfriend used when he was running because he wouldn't carry his phone and, or any ID with him. And so he had a, a bracelet. So um, I said, I wanted to get something for my dad. And he suggested that because it's very comfortable. My dad never tried to take it off. It had my phone number on it so that if he ever got lost, at least, you know, he would have been wearing that. Tell us again, what was it? It was um, like an ID bracelet. And um, the, the type we had was, I think it was called road ID because it was designed for runners right. and people, you know, so that it's very comfortable. And it had um, some type of, a, I don't know if it was silicone or something, wristband and then a metal plaque thing that, that stuck to it. Right. And, you know, daddy never tried to take it off. He kept it on all the time in the shower. I think I had to replace the band once in 10 years. Well, talk awesome. to us a, a little bit about what it is about wandering, because as I read your article, uh, you pointed out something that uh, uh, really made instant sense, which is uh, it isn't that they're wandering aimlessly. Folks who are wandering in their mind are going somewhere. Right, right. I, you know, I have, you, you will not see me use the term wandering much because I, I think it connotes that the person is just aimlessly wandering around and, and uh, you know, that's not the case. And I've worked for many years with people with dementia and there's always, you know, something I, I, when I was working in adult daycare, we lost a gentleman and it was so frightening and he had, he was trying to go home. Um, another time he was trying to go fishing, you know, and it took us a while to figure out what in his head, what he was trying to do. But the point right. was, you know, he wasn't just going out the door because he, he was, you know, in some kind of an altered state kind of weird thing, you know, he's, He's, they're trying to go somewhere. And the reason I think that's important is one, they're, you know, labeling someone a wanderer takes away some, their dignity and some respect, puts them in a category. And it's a label that I don't like. But if you think about it as, okay, how can I help them? What, what is their need? What, what can I help them figure out? If it's that they feel like they want to go home, then let's talk about home. What was home like? Um, you know, Ooh, you know, when I smell popcorn popping, it makes me feel like home. Let's bake some cookies. That smells like home. You know, you, you can do things to kind of figure out the need. Maybe they're tired. Maybe it's they're hungry. You know, figure out the need, validate it, and then try to meet the need and or distract or divert. And very often, if I'm not mistaken, and, and Tina, you can jump in as well. Uh, when they're talking about going home, it may not be the house that they were living in before they came into the memory unit. It, it, it could be their childhood home. Yeah, you have to be really careful not to take it too literally. Um, it could be that, yes, that in their head, they're worried about, you know, being home. It could be that, you know, it's the time of day when they would be finishing up work and going home to their family and they're thinking about that. Or just this sense that I should be going somewhere. I, this is, you know, and often this is a thing with sundowning because the light is changing and, you know, you have, we have rhythms in our days and a sense, you know, somebody who went to, got off work at five o'clock every day, you know, for years and years and years, 
that, that's kind of hardwired and that may be part of it too. So yeah, thinking about where they're, where they're coming from and, and being careful not to take it too literally. And for those who are listening, who, who may be the new caregiver for someone who's been recently diagnosed with dementia, uh, and that individual may not be walking off as yet. Uh, do most of those dementia patients uh, ultimately begin to just walk off? Um, it, it, they no, absolutely, actually no. Not every dementia patient is going to go away and get lost. Um, and there are different stages of the disease. So there are some people who never do that, and there are some people who do it constantly. So it, it, you know, you meet two people who have dementia, you've met two people who have dementia. There, no two are exactly alike. My dad, um, there were two times that my dad got lost. One was he, my niece had been visiting them in their apartment and her mom was gonna pick her up and she decided she wanted to wait out at the front gate for her mom. So my dad, mom and dad were like, okay, you know, but then after a while, my dad got worried about her. And did she get picked up or not? And my sister didn't call and tell him that he had picked her up. So, so he took his dog and walked out there to the gate to see. Well, he didn't see her. So he walked outside the gate, outside the community, up to the main road. Thankfully, our neighbor's daughter saw him on the road. And he was going up to park cars that were stopped at the light and asking for help, you know, and she saw him, recognized him, got him, brought him back. So there was a reason he, he went out and he, he just got lost. The second time he was looking for my mom. My mom and I were in the exam room at the doctor's office and he was sitting in the waiting room with my niece. My niece was looking at her phone and not paying that much attention. And he got up and to go look for mom. And the back door of the uh, doctor's office was open and he went right on out because that door was open and through the parking lot. And then he was lost. But again, that time I found him pretty quickly. <clears throat> but both of those times are examples where um, he was looking for something. He never did that again. He had visual impairment with his dementia. So that might have been part of why he didn't right. try to, you know, go and leave. But, um, but, but not everyone does it. Stay with me just a minute. We're going to come right back. If you just joined us. You listen to Caregiver SOS on air. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Tina Smith, who is filling in today for Carol Zerniel. Our special guest is Amy Goyer, and we're talking about dementia and the kind of behaviors that can be a challenge for a caregiver. Thanks for listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Tina Smith. Tina filling in today for Carol Zernio, who is on special assignment. And we're talking with Amy Goyer. Uh, She writes for AARP. She lectures across the country, uh, spends a whole lot of time 
talking about issues that face caregivers. She's author of Juggling Life, Work, and Caregiving, and as a writer and speaker, uh, meets with a lot of folks across the country dealing uh, with care recipients with dementia. And, and Amy, we were talking about uh, folks who walk off who, who may have dementia. And in your article for AARP, you talk about uh, ways in which you can try to prevent that. What are some of your recommendations? Well, the first thing is to look at um, alarms and locks that you, I mentioned earlier, a floor mat alarm. I had a floor mat alarm next to my dad's bed because I didn't want him to get up at night and try to go to the bathroom and either get lost or fall and hurt himself. So I wanted to know the second he put his feet on the floor. And I also had a video um, uh, monitor in his, in a video camera in his room and an audio monitor. So I had multiple things. And then in the hallway, I had a motion sensor alarm so that I, you know, I had multiple things so that I could sleep and have peace of mind that I knew if he got going and got lost or, or could so he couldn't hurt himself. So that's what I recommend for people. Have multiple things in place so that you can feel sure if one thing fails, another thing will, will sound the alarm or let you know that your loved one is up and about. Whether they're, you know, they're fine in the house, but you don't really want them to go outside then you might have a door chime alarm that when the door opens, it sound, makes a sound. Um, you might have a floor mat alarm at the front door um, or, or under, you know, by their chair where they're sitting or by their bed. Um, you can also have bed pad alarms. My mom didn't move around at night, so that worked well for her. She, but daddy, the bed part alarm didn't work because it was going off constantly because right. he was going over, you know. But you can have those and put them in a chair, that type of thing. Um, you know, many smart home systems now, whether it's your alarm system, we have um, door chimes that I can set in with our security system. Many of them include that. So that's something to think about as part of an overall system. But there are also smart locks that you need uh, to punch in a code in order to open the door. There are ways that some people will put a uh, padlock up higher so that it's not as intuitive it's reachable, but it's not as intuitive to unlock it right by the door handle. And that will maybe sometimes deter someone from going outside. Yeah, so, but I always worry about if those are uh, difficult to operate in case of fire, uh, how do you get out quickly? Because with right. smoke and all the problems that come with a fire, you're trapped. Right. You have to be careful. And that's why I say I'm not saying you're going to put it way up on a, up, up at the ceiling where you have to get on a stool to unlock the door. But you're going to have it a little higher than normal because sometimes someone with dementia may, you know, be doing things automatically. So something that, yes, you have to keep safety in mind. Absolutely. Um, that's why you don't want to, you know, some people say use a, a, a key where you need a key to get outside and not just inside, but to get outside. That concerns me because of, of fire safety issues. Right, exactly. So think about uh, that type of thing. And that's why I'm a big fan of the alarms, because then you don't need to worry about that. If you have an alarm, you can even have um, a motion sensor alarm outside the door. So that if they get that far, you'll, you're going to have, there's another um, place where you're going to get, you know, a notification. So again, multiple things in place. And when your dad said to you, sweetie, I have a feeling I'm being watched all the time. 
<laughs> well, he, my dad didn't say that because he wasn't really aware, but right. think, you know, that's a whole nother conversation about privacy and um, people being, you know, being cognizant of that. I know my boyfriend's mom, we have a system in her house, but she didn't want cameras. And so she doesn't have cameras. She recently fell and broke her hip. Thankfully, my boyfriend was there, but there she has, uh, what she has is um, radar fall detection. And uh, she has uh, like a hub where she can shout out and say, emergency, emergency, I need help. You know, that type of thing. So there are different ways of approaching it. Now, you also, in one of your recommendations, we talked briefly about it, uh, making sure that the individual can be identified. Correct. Yeah, we talked about the, the road ID bracelet that I had for my dad. You can have any type of an identification bracelet. If they're going to be more likely to wear something around their neck, tucked into their shirt, you can do that. I like the wristbands because it's easy for someone else to see and not invasive as invasive as, you know, if they have something around their neck that's under their shirt. Um, you can also, of course, depending on the level they are where they are in the, the dementia journey. If they have a, a phone, you can set up, you know, key contacts on their phone. Be sure and have um, information in their uh, in their wallet if they're carrying a purse or a wallet. And uh, you know, again, multiple forms of identification and emergency contacts. I think that's really the key thing. Uh, I think if they have an emergency, you know, a, a medical alert system, sometimes that's a watch band. You could, could attach uh, a little, one of the little metal, you know, ID, ID band right. thing to that wristband. Sorry, <laughs> trying to figure right. out how to say that so that they're only wearing one thing, you know. Um, so, the, you know, those are the kinds of things. The other thing is, you know, God forbid they should get lost make sure you have recent photos that you can access really quickly and easily that you can share with the police, with neighbors, you know, you can post up around the, the community and that type of thing to be able to find them. But hopefully if you put all these other things in place, that will never happen. And with technology today, you also mentioned uh, GPS tracking as a way in which you can uh, help find the person who may no longer be in a house but is off walking or driving somewhere. I know here in San Antonio, and I'm sure it's true across the country, uh, with the uh, reader boards on highways, I always see that say silver alert looking for a senior. I always check the make and model of the car to be sure it's not what I'm driving. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that the GPS systems are another great, great development. Um, for dementia caregiving. You can have uh, medical alert systems now that have GPS tracking that work inside and outside the home. People who are in very early, early stages of dementia may still be driving and doing things, but it'll give you more peace of mind if you're sure that you can track where they are. Of course, you can have the uh, apps that are installed on your, your, I, your Apple phone or your Samsung phone or your Android, you know, whatever type of phone that you have. Almost all of them have some kind of a locator app that you can use. Find my phone. Find my phone. Right, exactly. Um, find my friends on Androids. So uh, you can do those. And then you can also just attach something to the car. Um, you can you could put, uh, there are tiny little trackers now that you can stick on everything from your keys to, you know, all sorts of things. You could just put one in the trunk of the car. Or um, there are actually devices that... Um, attached to the dashboard 
that are a little more involved, um, like mode of safety that you can use. So um, my, you know, the, one of the apps that we use is called Life360, and it has, it's a family locator so that, and my boyfriend and I even use it because we, he drives back and forth between Baltimore and DC a lot. And um, then I know when he's almost home, you know, we can check on each other. And he started using that with his mom as a way to kind of track where she is, make sure she got home okay, that sort of thing. Have you found some of his other girlfriend's house? You know that. Then I know, exactly. <laughs> no, he would never do that. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, because there are so many options out there. I mean, you've listed a ton already. The Alzheimer's Association has the Safe Return Program. You know, there's just, there's, you know, a lot of different options. So how do caregivers sort through what's going to be best for them? How do they navigate all that information out there for those different options? Right. Well, first of all, it's, there's a lot of technology involved. So I have a column on the ARP website about how to choose family caregiving technology and some, some tips on, you know, think who the user is going to be, what's going to be easiest for them. If you're looking at your loved one and some, it's a wearable of some type, are they going to keep it on? Where's the best place for that? They even have GPS trackers and shoes that, you know, because that someone with dementia may take off a, a bracelet or other things, but probably not their shoes. So um, think about who's going to be using it, how easy it is to use any technology, any of these medical alert systems, any, any kind of technology you use. I think it's extremely helpful if they have an actual person on a phone you can call if you have difficulties with it. it makes a big difference being able to talk to a live person who can explain to you what to do. So that's a priority in my book. So figuring out um, and, and being very specific, you know, I, I added each of those devices little by little so that I could have peace of mind or I could sleep at night. And I think that's what most people do. Try one thing, try the next thing. Some of them are more expensive. So you might want to try some of the less expensive items first. Or you might say, this is the one thing that I know is going to make me feel like my loved one is safe. I'm going to go for it. Uh, Amy, we appreciate you being here for Tina Smith and for Carol Zernio, who's on assignment today. I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you, Amy. We'll talk with you soon on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zernial and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.